0: the truth of Easter we celebrate every day of our lives but we celebrate it 52 Sundays out of the year because without the resurrection of Christ from the dead we would have no hope. Our story is his story and his story is our story because he changed our lives. Uh, I've invited some friends to come up this morning and to uh, share their story with you so Ken, let's get everybody up here. Let me tell you what we're going to do here. If you've had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, then you have a story to share and a story to tell. And these are some folks that are uh, they're, they're not a random sampling. They're, these are some folks that are in our church family, some of them new to our church family, some of them have been here a while, but all of them have a story to share. They come from India, from America, from Cuba, and have lived in the Middle East. All across the board, the stories that you hear have one thing in common. Jesus changes lives, and he makes all things new. So Kim's going to kind of get us started here, and, and I get to, to do this a second time, Amen, which is Pastor. <laughs> a lot of fun
1: for me. Well, Pastor, first we have Steve, and uh, I'm so grateful for Steve, a brother in Christ. And matter of fact, all of them are brothers and sisters in Christ. So Steve, why don't you share with us a little bit about how you've come to know Christ?
2: All right. So I grew up in, uh, in a quite normal family that knew God was there. Uh, didn't really do much about it, but we knew he was there. Uh, in high school, uh, I was a typical... Drugs and alcohol, kind of guy. Um, And when I turned 17, I joined the Marine Corps to kind of just escape that life uh, and do do something better. That's right. Uh, I did that for years, but you can imagine coming from drugs and alcohol that when you get into a barracks, which is just a dorm full of young men, the same as me, uh, alcohol was there, pornography was there, the sinful life was just there to to just go crazy with. Uh, Fast forward a few years, and the war happens. Um, We spent some time. doing stuff that guys do in war. So you can YouTube all the videos you want of what Marines do, but but that's what we did. Um, uh, And then coming home, uh, I guess I could say that I I promised God a lot of things over there. Uh, And when I came home, instead of doing that, I just, I looked for him at the end of a bottle. Uh, Was drunk a good portion of my life, had PTSD, um, and uh, ended up uh, on a porch, drunk and alone, and, and kind of just had a moment with God and said, what do you want me to do? At that very time, uh, a young staff sergeant who was working with me here in Albany uh, began to ask me about God, and when I told him that, hey, I was, I was the guy, I knew about this, and we're good, you don't have to worry about me, uh, he politely and quite intelligently just started talking to me about Scripture, and he would ask me a little bit here and a little bit there and get my intake, uh, and ultimately he invited me here. Uh, me and my wife, Laura, were trying to have kids. Uh, we had just had our first one, which is... Uh, a blessing because we weren't supposed to have any and uh pastor cat was preaching we were trying to figure out what you do for baptism for a kid and pastor cat's sermon that day was on baptism and what it means uh, we left we called wayne and said did you tell him about us did he know was he speaking to us uh, and it was and it was ever changing we did that a few more times and ended up here um, saw a decision counselor one night uh, prayed to receive christ walked through the baptismal waters and kind of walked started walking through our life as a is a christian which uh, was not totally easy at first we lost some friends uh, when you stop doing lost things lost people stop hanging out with you uh, if they don't want to come on board so uh, it was a rough road but here we are and the more obedient and the more knowledgeable that i become in christ uh, the easier it gets every day
1: amen praise the lord isn't that awesome <laughs> amen that
3: was awesome but
1: well, next we have mirna mirna was born in cuba and so mirna is going to share her story with us as well
4: um, all right, I uh, grew up in a Christian home and um, so I learned about the Bible, I learned about God and I believed everything the Bible said and I, um, I knew that Jesus had died for our sins and, uh, and I was, uh, I tried to be a good girl and consider myself a Christian. So I went to college and there I met a group of uh, young believers, uh, uh, college students, who uh, secretly gathered uh, on top of a roof roof every week um, uh, uh, on campus uh, uh, to worship the Lord and uh, do Bible study. And I met with them, and I realized very soon that uh, they had something I didn't have. They had... Uh, they have passion for God, they had life, uh, and I, I didn't feel I fit right in with them. And uh, I wondered what it was. I didn't know that I was a dead good girl deceiving myself into a Christian so uh, i was debating and wondering what was wrong with me and one time during uh, uh, church service i asked god to give me more faith because that's what i thought i needed Uh, and god instead gave me a new heart he gave me faith period and um and i cannot tell you specifically how and when but i found myself after that prayer uh, loving God in a different, new, real way, uh, uh, loving his word, loving uh, his people, loving uh, the gospel, and telling others, others about Jesus. And um, so my roommates, were, who were non-believers, um, they complained to one of our teachers at college, who was very dear and respected by all of us, but... Um, uh, that I was always talking about God, and he came and talked to me and said, listen, why why aren't you the same uh, Christian girl that you were? You should be. I want you to be that girl again. You don't need to be this fanatic religious person. Um, but um, I have a tendency to please people, and he was someone we respected and we loved. So I, I could have easily pleased him with that. But I was a new creation. I was a new person. God had turned me into a new person, and the Holy Spirit was now living in me. And I could not be quiet about the truth of God. It's like Acts uh, uh, 4.20 says, um, what you have listened and heard, you speak. So that's all I could do. And um, I haven't had a perfect life, but I've had a perfect God walking with me every day.
1: Amen. Isn't that awesome? And, you know, I think sometimes in in our walk with God, you know, we go to church, and most of us have been for a long time, and we start thinking, you know what, this is it. This is the Christian life, you know, just to go to church and just be normal and just come every Sunday, but it's more to it than that. It's having a transformed heart like Myrna just talked about man. So, Ryan, why don't you share your testimony?
5: Well, I also came from a Christian home. My parents were pastors. They uh, did missions in Africa and started churches, and we lived in Africa and things like that, and they were always praying um, over my life, and things where everything was good. I was a good person, and uh, after my dad passed away in high school, I started playing more baseball, and Uh, missing church and going to college and not having a church home and things happened and uh, mistakes happened and so one day on the way back from um, going back to school uh, to albany i was driving i don't remember anything don't remember driving the speed limit or anything but i just remember talking with god and asking um what, what am i doing in my life and uh and i remember people always asking me a question who is ryan mcclendon and that always angered me and, uh, and really this time I asked myself who is Ryan McClendon and I uh, asked God what is, what is missing in my life and he said uh, your relationship with Jesus and so I really wanted to uh, look in the Bible and figure things out for myself and uh, have a relationship with him and so after that it was, it was wonderful I, 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 things started happening good things and then uh, my mom always told me, like, when good things start happening, the enemy wants to remind you that you're, you're still human and things happen. So uh, I've had a lot of death and different things happen and attack me, but I try to stay in the word and Garrett and um, Pastor uh, Patrick has been helping me stay and tell, explain and show other college students how to stay and um, explain and share the gospel with each other. Hey,
1: man, that's awesome, Ryan. One more question for you. Now, the person that asked you, the last person that asked you, who was Ryan McClendon, you know, as I say that person was your coach, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Ryan.
5: Yes, sir, it was uh, my coach, and um, he was saying he could see two different people in me, and I didn't like that. So I wanted to uh, show who Ryan McClendon was and who my parents prayed over and... Um, wanted to, me to be a uh, follower of christ that's who ryan mclennon is
1: amen amen Isn't that awesome right. next we have miss anna Wari. anna you want to share your testimony with us
6: i was raised in a church-going family and at the age of 12 i walked the aisle mm-hmm. and professed christ and got baptized the only problem was i had no idea what i was signing up for like many in that day i didn't understand the work of the holy spirit to keep me in all my ways and to teach me all things Uh, so in my 12 year old mind i was thinking that life in christ meant behavior modification Mm -hmm. so for the next few years i did my best to be a good churchgoer or what i thought that would be Uh, but by the time i was in my late teens or early 20s i was beginning to discover that my self-motivated behavior modification could not keep me from the pull of the world and I was pulled in hook line and sinker after several years of living in the world I realized that if I ever wanted any hope for any kind of future I needed to turn my life back to Christ this time for keeps so I got down on my knees and I asked him to please forgive me and he did and then I asked him if he would help me out of the pit that I had dug for myself. And in his louder than audible voice, I could hear him say, come on. (laughs) The next thing I knew, I was married and I was living overseas. My husband was on a job assignment and his company had uh, taken us to a country where churches were outlawed, Bibles were banned. And if you wanted to meet with believers for anything, prayer, Bible study, worship, you did it in secret. Um, The risk was arrest deportation, sometimes worse. So here I was trying to live for Christ in this place where they were doing everything in their power to keep him out, but they couldn't keep him out. And one night when my husband was away at work, I was alone in our high-rise apartment in the middle of that city, and I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed the course of my life forever. It was also in that place that the Lord began to teach us how to pray In spirit and in truth there's more to this story than I have time to tell but I can tell you that 35 years later today the Lord has refocused our attention back to that part of the world where Jesus is not welcome and where he's desperately needed life in Christ is not about behavior modification it's about life transformation and everything we need we can find in him for this life and the next life but best of all we find him along the way life in christ has been amazing i didn't know what i was signing up for at the age of 12 but now i do i was signing up for jesus and there is no turning back
1: amen isn't that awesome <clears throat> amen. now i have my friend anil anil why don't you share
3: with us yes, Pastor Ken. Yes. Uh, as you and many of the church people know that I come from India and India is predominantly a Hindu country majority of majority of the people are Hindus and then mm, some percentage of Muslims and very very um, uh, few people from Christian but anyway uh, my grandparents uh, were given the gospel by the German missionaries in the last century of course and then after two generations I was born in a Christian family and even though I was born in a Christian family, just like anybody else, I was a nominal Christian. And uh, <clears throat> I had, uh, my heart was not stirred, and I was not uh, sensitive to the gospel till I came to the final year of my college, that is in my, uh, late 70s. So when I came to know the Lord, it was in a revival meeting when a preacher preached about... Uh, the gospel, a mass gospel, chapter 5, where people <clears throat> uh, begged Jesus to leave their place because they wanted their pigs to be uh, alive because they loved their pigs. They didn't know what the Son of God is. And I <clears throat> compared myself and I knew I was in the same place. So that was my turning point and it turned. But <clears throat> I have to uh, confess here that Satan did not give up on me. Mm. And it's shame on me. I didn't give up either. Mm. So it was going on for some time. And finally a day came when I accepted the Lord as my own savior. And I got baptized. And I continued. And the real thing what I want to tell you here is my biggest fear in uh, my being away from God in the beginning was it's a boring life. It's it's a non-interested life. But... I tell you guys, whoever has not accepted Lord Jesus, it's not boring. Mm -hmm. It's a tremendous, interesting and joyful life. Mm -hmm. And also I need to say that um, this church for the last 15 years I have been coming has been uh, strengthening. The Bible teaching here has given a good base for me Mm -hmm. to stand on the faith that I have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you for the church. And this is my testimony. Amen.
1: I guess I'll be the last to share. Uh, many of you know me. I'm Pastor Ken. If, if this is your first time coming, I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. I love my family. I love we were poor uh, by every stretch of the means. But we didn't know we were poor because everyone around us was poor. And, uh, and so I grew up. And things looked well, things seemed well, but when my father left home and left my mom and uh, four other kids there, I grew bitter, very bitter, very angry at my father. Anybody else been there? And so when I left home, or when I stayed home, I did everything, I drank, I fought, just everything, trying to unleash all the anger that was inside. And at age 17, just like Steve, I joined the Marine Corps. There it is, Johnny, I was waiting. Join the Marine Corps, it was great. I loved everything about it. The running, the jumping, the physical fitness, the fighting, just everything about it. I said, Where else can I go and do the same thing I did on the street and get paid for it? And that was the Marine Corps. <laughs> I loved it. But my life starts spiraling out of control. I start hanging around with the wrong crowds and before you know it, I got a called in by one of my first sergeants. He says, hey, if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to go to jail. Matter of fact, you're not only going to jail, you're going to go to Leavenworth, which is a federal penitentiary. And I kept doing what I was doing, and all of a sudden, one day, I went back to my barracks room, and I thought about three things. I thought about committing suicide, I thought about running away, and I thought about uh, something my mom had always told me. She said, son, the day that you hear the Lord's voice, don't harden your heart. And I got on down on my knees, and. I said, God, if you're real, and it was just like the peace of God came right down in that room. Now, my circumstances were still the same, but I knew something was different. So I went to a Walmart parking lot, and I was walking through the parking lot, and I saw these guys walking toward me. Now, I was from the hood now, so if you walk toward me at night, something's going to happen, all right? (laughs) Either these are the guys from the church or the guys from a gang. I didn't know. And the guy said, excuse me. He said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I said, I don't, but I need to. And that night, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I tell everybody, John, you can get anything from Walmart. Even Jesus is there at Walmart. Well, he started transforming my life. And it wasn't an easy walk by any stretch of the means. It wasn't something that just clicked in one day, and I just all of a sudden became a good man, a good person, It was the transformational power of Jesus Christ that did the work. And many of you may be here today and you're saying, man, you know what? I need to give my life to Christ, but I don't know how I'm going to change. Guess what? Let him do it. Let him do the work. There's one thing that I wrote down after our first service. It says, it doesn't matter that you have a past. What matters is is that you have a future. And that future is with Christ alone.
0: You know, one of the amazing things that God has done uh, in this church is he has brought people from such a variety of backgrounds and nations, and he's made us one. Uh, We do not look at each other as, well, Mirna's from Cuba and Neil's from India and this and and that. We're just brothers and sisters in Christ, and only God can do that. The government can't legislate that and make that happen. Uh, We can't try harder to build bridges to make that happen. It's God in us that lets us see others the way he sees others, as people that need Jesus or as people that have Jesus. Everybody in this world is either saved or lost. They either have a relationship with Christ or they don't. And whether it's in a Walmart parking lot or whether it's on a front porch, by yourself or wherever it happens or whenever it happens, there's that moment when the light bulbs come on and God convicts us and reminds us and tells us, I love you and I gave my life for you. I want you to give me your life and watch what I can do with your life that you could never do on your own. And these folks are just a glimpse of what God has done and hundreds and hundreds of people who are members of this church we call Sherwood. This is not about church membership. It's not what it's about. It's not about being baptized. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you thank me for these folks and them sharing with us today? so quickly, my story. I was uh, given up for adoption uh, when I was born. Uh, my middle name is after the doctor that delivered me and raised the uh, private adoption. And I uh, was given to a family that were religious and Christian. But my dad, from the time I was about four five, six years old, they wanted me to make a decision. They really wanted me to make a decision. And they waited to join the church until I made a decision. By the way, if you're a parent and you're waiting on your child, don't wait on your child. You do the right thing. And then let them come along when they're supposed to come along. And so I was about eight years old. We were at Vacation Bible School. And I went back to talk to my friend Mike Green. And uh, he said, I'm going to go down front, and I'm going to accept Christ as my personal Lord and Savior today. And even at eight, I was a type A, high D, competitive, never want to lose anything, and I thought, you're not going to get down there before me. Now, I wasn't making a decision for Christ. I was making a decision to beat Mike Green down the aisle. That was my decision. That was my, literally, that was my goal and I got to the front and I went to a church that didn't tell me everything I needed to know and so I went to the church and I shook hands with a preacher and he never said, why are you coming, what are you coming for and let me tell you about a relationship with Jesus Christ he, all he said was, you come next week and we'll baptize you so I go into the baptistry and I've got enough sense at 8 to know somebody ought to be talking to me about something because I know why I came I came to be Mike Green and in fact, we went alphabetically, so I even got baptized before him. So I'm sitting there in the line going, <laughs> got baptized for you, dude. And nobody talked to me. And so I joined a church, I shook a preacher's hand, and I was baptized, and I didn't know Christ. And it wasn't until after I was high school, I was in the youth choir, I went to all the youth events, I liked my youth minister. And I was involved in church, but didn't know Christ. And then one day on a youth trip to Panama City, it was a beach witnessing trip. I did not go to witness. I went because we were going to the beach. And we were going to Panama City. And we rode a bus and we went to the beach and I knew just enough to know how to wing it and get by with a track that they gave us to go share the gospel with people. So we went a block or so off the beach and there was a trailer parked there and uh, James, my youth minister, said, you guys, you and Johnny Odom, you go and you share the gospel with the people in that trailer. So I went in and I just started going through the track. I knew how to share information, but I didn't have a relationship to back up the information I was sharing. And so I said something about it. Have you ever come to the point where you would like to Accept Christ and receive Christ into your life. And this girl said, oh, I've done that about five times. Now, I didn't have an answer for that. Because, you see, the Bible talks about there's a point when you pass from death unto life. You don't go from death to life, back to death to life, back to death to life. You you do that. You have a one-time experience with Christ. Now, you can grow along the way. But there's a time when you were lost and then you're saved. And so I walked out, I just left it with Johnny, I said, you answer her question. And I walked out and walked down that sandy road and I said, Lord, I, I don't know you. I don't know how to answer that question. If, if I can't answer that question, what do I really have? And that night in a youth revival, a friend of mine was preaching. I was sitting on the next to the last row in a balcony because I wanted to be as far away from it. I'd gotten away enough. I thought, okay, that's over. I'm done. I've passed the test. Now, I don't have to worry about this anymore. I'll just go to the service. We'll go home, and it'll be over, and I can go back to living a dual life. Going to church, one thing on Sunday, another thing during the rest of the week. But one of my friends was sitting down on the fourth row, and he had come to Christ a few weeks ago before, and uh, all of a sudden, he got out in his size 12 big old You know, you ever had one of those people that when they walk, it sounds like the walls reverberate? I mean, he's just, and every step he was taking, I knew he was coming to see me. And he walks down, he disappears, I can't see him. All of a sudden, I hear clump, clump coming up the steps of the balcony, and he comes up, and he stands right in my face, and he asks me when I'm going to give my life to Jesus. And that night, in a strange church that I'd never been in, that a place I couldn't find today if I wanted to, because I don't even remember the name of the church. That night, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He changed me. I knew Him in my head, but I didn't know Him in my heart. I knew about Him. I could quote facts about Him. But I didn't know Him personally. He wasn't my personal Lord and Savior until that point. I was dead in my sin. If I had died, I would have died without Christ. Because although I owned a Bible and I knew some things in the Bible and I was going to church and I was active in church, I didn't know Christ. Some of these folks shared with you that they were raised in a Christian home, but being being raised in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. I mean, you you can be raised in a Christian home, but that does not make you one who has come to Christ personally. That is an individual decision that you and I have to make. And so inside your worship folder, there's a track. It's either a purple one or a blue one. There's just this little gospel presentation that I want to take you through in the next few minutes and then offer you an opportunity to come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, you may say, I know this, but is it in your heart that you know that Christ has changed you, that you've staked your eternity, your today, and your tomorrow, and your eternity on this truth. So let's just look at it. This is bad news to best news. The bad news, we have all sinned and are separated from God. Here's the scripture, but your iniquities, that's that's your sin that separates you. That's your old nature that just wants your way. Your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you there's this gap there's this gulf between God and man and the only person that can bridge that gulf and that gap is Jesus Christ you can't get across that gap by good works you can't get across it by being better than you are bad you can't get across it by baptism or church membership you're separated that's the bad news there's worse news on our own there is nothing we can do to remove sin, the sin that stains our lives. No one can ever be made with, right with God by doing what the law commands. That's referring to the Ten Commandments. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, the law tells us that we're sinners. And so when I read the Ten Commandments, if you've ever seen them displayed in a courthouse that used to be displayed in schools, if you ever see the Ten Commandments, you can look at them and know, I haven't fulfilled all of those. I haven't lived up to all those. I've broken God's law. Well, to break one of God's law is to break all of them. And so I can't bridge this gap by keeping the law. The law was given to show us that we need grace, God's unmerited favor, God's righteousness in place of our self-righteousness and our sin. But there's good news. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He died on the cross and shed his blood to pay for our sins. Romans 3:25, 25 in the Bible says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, which means somebody has to die to pay the price for sin. Now, either we die and we pay the price for our sins in an eternity called hell, or Jesus died and we embrace his death, and in his death and in his shedding, of His blood, we find life in Jesus Christ. He died so that we might live. Here's the best news. Eternal life and forgiveness of sin is a free gift. You don't go to some counter or some ATM machine and say, Hey, how much I need to take out? What's this going to cost me? It's a free, unmerited gift of God. All we have to do is accept it. So read this verse with me. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The free gift offered to you, offered to me, offered to people all around this world. Whatever tribe or tongue or nation, wherever somebody finds themselves, Jesus died. God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son. That whoever believes in Him, man, woman, boy or girl, Wherever you were raised, whatever you have done, however far you've gone away from God, whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Now here's the truth. All of us are going to die. But will we die in our sins or will we die forgiven for our sins? This is not about walking an aisle and shaking a preacher's hand. This is not about what church you're a member of. This is not about being baptized. This is about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that changes the trajectory, the direction, the focus of your life. It doesn't take away all your problems. I'm not going to be one of those preachers that says, if you trust Christ you'll never have another problem. You're always going to have problems. You live in a rotten world. And there are mean people in this world. And the devil is out to destroy us. And here's what the enemy will say to you. Do it another time. Wait until another day. Do it tomorrow. God says in his word, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And the, the verses at the bottom of that track will tell you what you need to do. If we confess with our mouth, everybody that Jesus called, he called publicly. He called for a public confession of faith. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts, not just with our head, oh yeah, I accept that as a fact of history, but in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Listen, I've never met anybody that's given their heart to Jesus that's regretted that they've done it. I've met people that have joined churches and not gotten any better. I've met people that have been baptized until every fish in the river knew their name, but that didn't change them. But I've never met anybody that came to Jesus just like they were and found a relationship with Christ that says, I wish I hadn't done that. Our our team is coming up and as they come up in a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to sing a very familiar song. It's been sung all around this world. But here's the other thing just before we pray. I've never met anybody that wishes they had waited longer to trust Christ. That wishes they had waited later that they had lived on their own with their guilt and with their shame and with their fears and their doubts. I've never met anybody that's lived that way and said, boy, I wish I'd just waited longer to trust Jesus. What you'll find is the people that trust Jesus wish they had done it sooner. Wish they'd done it sooner. So I want to ask you to bow your heads if you would. That track is in your hand. And if you're here today and you need to trust Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up and just to make your way down to the front and just stand here at the front. And we want to pray for you and give you a few instructions and then allow you to to talk to somebody so they can give you some helps, some material to help you in your journey and in your new step of faith. But if you look at that card that is in front of you, Here's the prayer. Now, you don't have to pray these words exactly. There is no exact word or no exact verbiage that you are supposed to use. But this is just a guide for you to pray. So right now, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let me just invite you to just read that prayer along with me. And let's ask God to change your life. God, I'm a sinner and I want to be forgiven. I believe Jesus Christ, your son, died for my sins and is alive right now. I turn away from my sin and confess Jesus Christ as my Lord. I ask you, Jesus, to control my life and I thank you For giving me eternal life. Now heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And here's what I want to ask you to do. In just a moment when we stand. I'm going to ask that in the standing. If you need to trust Christ today. That you stand up and you take a step. And you take a step toward the front of this room. Because those Jesus called. He called publicly. We are to confess with our mouth. And part of our confession is walking and making a confession by the act of obedience to confess publicly that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Folks did it in the 930 service. They they got up the minute we started, and they began to walk down front. And they came down front, and people found a relationship with Christ this morning. We want to give you that same opportunity. So, Father, I pray that the lost would be saved, And that those of us who know you will share our story every day and in any way we can. That Christ has the power to change lives. In Jesus' name, let's stand. They're singing. You step out and you come right now.